Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? No one at all. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Daily Bread. Pastor Dave here in the podcasting studio talking about the message that was released on Sunday. Look to yourself. It is part two of a three-part message on judgment called what is judgment? This is such a dynamic topic. There is so much to cover and so much to talk about, and I am super grateful to have an outlet like this podcast where I can talk to you guys a little bit more and kind of go a little deeper into some of those subcategories. Some of you guys like to tease me and say that I'm chasing bunnies, but these things are so important. I believe they're, they're the important fillers to the message at large. And so um, we're just so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, everybody who has made this possible, and, and, and thank you for, for listening, and, and we hope that, that you will enjoy it. We've learned that God will first judge the church. You know, judgment is, a, is kind of a scary thing when we start learning about it, and, and we think, you know, we look out at the world, and we look out at unrighteous people, and we see injustice in the world, and we say, oh man, judgment is coming this isn't going to be good. And then sometimes we see things like negative things that happen and we assume that they're judgment and, you know, you may or may not be right, but, you know, vengeance belongs to the Lord. It's his and it's his business and it really isn't any uh, of, of our business. And it's so, so important to know that judgment first comes to the church because you Christians who are out there talking and you're calling down for judgment from God, just understand you might be calling for judgment on yourself because judgment is going to come to the church first. Knowing that judgment comes to the church first only helps to make sense of the fact that believers should be directed to judge other believers by biblical standards, provided that they have looked to themselves first and removed the plank from their own eye in at least some limited way. Again, I don't know that it's possible to remove a plank from our eye in a permanent way. You know, Paul lamented saying, I know what to do is right, but I, I inevitably do the wrong thing. And then I have this guilty conscience and my conscience agrees with my spirit that my spirit is good. And, and you know, he's talking about this whole plight of the flesh. And so I don't know that it's, it's 100% possible to completely rid ourselves of the logs in our own eyes, at least not until we're uh, in heaven. But here on earth, we can at least remove the logs in our eyes in, in a partial or limited way, which puts us in a place where we can provide help to another believer, to somebody who has a speck in their eye. Also, Jesus is saying, you know, why, why do you make such a big deal about their thing and you're not making a big deal about your thing? And when you look at it like that, yours is much bigger than theirs. So it's kind of a, a multidimensional teaching that, that Jesus is using. But the point is that we are able to remove the planks from our own eyes, at least, at least in some limited way. I would be very, very careful, listener. I would be very careful if you have Christians in your life who are like, hey, I'm the leading authority on this topic. 
I had that plank in my eye. I dealt with it years ago and I no longer have that plank. So I'm just going to go ahead and judge freely because I don't have that plank. So I would be really, really careful of a person who presents himself in that fashion because sin is dangerous. And if somebody can be tempted by the enemy, then somebody else can be tempted by the enemy. So the enemy's no respecter. He'll, he'll try to tempt you with any crazy thing. And the minute you start thinking that you are bulletproof, that you are a Teflon Christian, is the same minute that he's going to catch you in his snare. We need to look to the Lord. We need to thank the Lord that he would keep us from temptation and, and be humble enough to realize that uh, just because I have dealt with a log in some limited way in my own, that that thing could possibly make its, make its way back into my life, and I'd have to start that process all over. So we just need to approach it with a really, really strong sense of humility. Now, for those outside the church, what about unbelievers? Those people who are outside the church, listen, our job is to love them. Our job is to love those people. Now, that in itself can make people think a lot of different things. We have a a really, really misunderstood uh, view on what love is and how love looks. Now, the Bible says that God is love. He's not like love. He doesn't do love really well, that he is love. That means God revealed in his word from Genesis to maps is love. And you go, pastor, wait a minute. There's some dark, dark stuff in the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, there is. And love is bigger than we ever imagined. Love is multidimensional. Love is something that we haven't even sniffed at. Hollywood can't even come close to it. The TV shows, the soap operas, they're not even coming close to what love actually looks like. And so we got to get close to God because God is love. So if we're going to love people, if our job is to love people, then we're going to have to get really close to God because God is love. And once we've experienced not the love of God, once we experience God who is love, then we can start taking that out and bringing that love to other people. And that is what we're supposed to do for the people who are outside of the the family of God. We're supposed to love them. And it is the Spirit of God that will do His work in their lives. We need to give the Holy Spirit of God the dignity and the respect that He deserves to do the work that He is called to do. You know, He did it in our lives. Nobody else did that work in our lives. Holy Spirit did that work in our lives. And people around us, hopefully, were cool while, while we were going through that process. And it's the same deal. We got to be cool to other people while the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts while he's doing their job. And if you think about it, the Holy Spirit actually got the short end of the stick because our job is so much easier. We just we get to love people the way God loves. We get to love people as the Lord leads and directs. It's so good. Again, not as Hollywood directs, but as the Lord leads and directs. So I'm, I'm not talking about holding hands and singing Kumbaya and, you know, everything's gummy bears and rainbows and all those things. And there's got to be some of that. Obviously, some of that is part of love, but that's not all of That's a really, really short-sighted view of what love is and how love behaves. But our job is to love people, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of sin and bring them on into the kingdom. And so we really have the easy and, in my opinion, much more enjoyable job. Now, I'm sure the Holy Spirit is absolutely well-equipped to do the job that he's got to do, and I'm sure that he loves his job. But my job is so much easier, in my opinion, 
then the Holy Spirit's job. And I always, I would say that about, um, you know, my wife too, you know, when, when she was pregnant and, you know, her job was to have the baby and her job was way harder than my job. You know, I had to be there and like, you know, yeah, breathe and, uh, you know, squeeze my hand, you know, <laughs> but she's doing all the heavy lifting. You know what I mean? She's, she's doing all the work. She's, she's bringing this human in, in, into the earth. And so, you know, my job is just, just love and support and, and be there for her. Right. So, so she had the hard job. So same is true. The Holy Spirit, he's got the hard job in this relationship and we ought to let him do it. Cause you know what? Honestly, he's so much better at it than we are. I'm serious. He is so much better at winning people to the kingdom than we are. All we have to do is love on them. The Holy Spirit will do his job. He'll convict them of sin in the way that only he can that will cause people to run to him instead of running from him. And knowing that is paramount for us to, to be careful, to be wise, and, and to be strong in our convictions because we have to be out in this world. If we're out in this world and loving on these people, that means we're exposed to the stuff of the world, the sin of the world, the treachery of the world, and we have to be careful. We have to be wise. We have to be strong in our convictions so that we're not deceived by the sin of the world. And that's just the thing about deception. It's deceiving. You know, this, this, it's this tricky thing. You think you're right when, in fact, you're wrong. And it, if it weren't that difficult, nobody would be deceived. Judging the world by biblical standards rather than individuals within the world by biblical standards is a really great way to set my moral compass and create boundaries that will keep me safe from deception. So I'm going to say that again. Instead of judging the people in the world by, by God's standards, by biblical standards. We judge the world itself by God's standards, and that is how we are able to, to, to safely build these boundaries around ourselves where we can be careful and be wise and be strong in, in our convictions and set our compass to create this place where I'm safe from deception. It's no surprise, right? We're, we're in this world. Our, our spouses, they're in this world. Our kids, in this world. Loved ones in the world, families in the world. Listen, we cannot avoid the world unless we leave it permanently. So here's some tips how to live in the world and yet remain pure in your walk. The first one is this, read your word. Now, you don't have to be a scholar of the word. You don't have to practice drafting three-point sermons from the word. I'm serious, just read it. It's a good book. If nothing else, it's it's a really good read. And I know sometimes we get into these books like, you know, Leviticus, and there's like law after law. We don't really understand. We don't have context for it. Or, or in Chronicles, we're like, what's this list of names? I can't even read them, and I'm falling asleep. And listen, you got to kind of just tread through some of that stuff. There's there's treasure there, and the Holy Spirit will will begin to teach you about that stuff the, the more you become familiar with it. But don't give up on it. Read the Word. Become familiar. Just, just read it regularly. Read it every day. You don't have to, you know, make it a chore. It should be a joy in your life. You know, five minutes here, ten minutes there. Maybe you're an avid reader. Maybe you really like to read. Maybe you like to listen. Tons of Bible on audio options. Just start getting familiar with the Word. It's a really, really great way to remain in this world and, and yet still be pure in our, in our holiness and our pursuit of God. So that's my first tip is to read the word. My second is this, consider who you're rubbing up against. And, if, and for some of you, you might not understand what I mean. My wife likes to say, you are like who you rub up against. And, you know, my dad used to say, you hang out at a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut, right? So it's the same, same thing, right? So we got to consider 
who we're rubbing up against. And, and I know you've heard this in our, uh, those secular books on success, that whole idea that successful people hang around successful people. Happy people hang around happy people. Uh, you know, joyful people hang around joyful people, th- those kinds of things. Creative people hang around creative people. So you are going to be like what you rub up against. So I'm going to caution you, Christian, to be careful, to be considerate, to uh, look at that uh, objectively, who you're hanging out with, how much time you're spending with what people you're spending with. And listen, that that requires judgment. I'm, I am talking about judgment. You got to consider that. To consider who you're rubbing up against means you're judging this person and the situations that you guys get in, the things that you like to do recreationally, the things that you're doing for fun. Do they fall within that list, those pillars of holiness that we talked about in yesterday's Daily Bread? If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, when you're done with this one, you can just switch over and, and listen to that one. So read your word, consider who you're rubbing up against. And number three, unplug from the world, unplug from worldly habits and worldly behaviors. And if you guys have spent any time in my ministry, you know that I'm talking about fasting, (laughs) right? Taking a step away from the world, taking a step out of the way things normally are. And and I love to do a three-part fast, uh, which we call, we do it every year. We call it the 1090. And, you know, I believe that you are a three-part being and that to make a sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God, that I need to create a fast that hits on all three parts. And so one of those parts, we call it the social piece, and that is where we fast from things of this world, things like movies or social media is probably my favorite one to fast from, or newspapers or magazines or, or whatever it is. Maybe it's you know online gaming, whatever it is that makes you more like the world and less like Jesus. You got to unplug from that from time to time. You need to take time away from the world. We're just, we're inundated with it. It's, it's, the world is trying to get in like 24 seven. It's, it's trying to get into all of our gates, our eye gates and our ear gates and our mind gates. It's like always, like always all that pressure trying to get in. And it is so refreshing to take a break. I, I'll, I'll never forget the first year that I fasted from uh, movies during a 1090. I was, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to watch any movies that are above rated G. Now, there's a whole other discussion to be had about um, the American rating system. And if you think that is done fairly or justly or safely, you're fooling yourself. Uh, but that's a that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic. But uh, so I, I decided to fast from uh, everything that was like above rated G, and I went through this for like you know this fasting time is about thirty six and a half days, and then afterwards, you know, as, you know, weeks go on, you're like, hey, let's watch this movie together. And I remember um, it was some like PG thirteen movie, and I couldn't believe what was coming at me from the screen. I was just like. Oh my God, it like hurt, you know, it just hurts. But I was like, oh, this is, I can't believe it. And this isn't even like a, like a bad movie necessarily, just that stuff that's coming through. And here's my point. I'm not trying to lift myself up. I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm this like, you know, this amazing example or whatever. I'm just saying that it's not until you unplug from the world for a little while that you realize how much it has actually influenced you, how much it has actually taken root in your own heart, in your own life. And the best way to get around that, the best way to get away from that is to fast from it from time to time, and then you'll be able to see it for what it is. You know, we're called to be the light in the darkness and ambassadors of the kingdom. Our first priority is tending to our own lamps. And Jesus used that example in his parable of the 10 virgins in in Matthew uh, 25. You guys probably remember. 
there's like 10 women, five of them were wise and five of them were unwise. And the wise women took oil in jars along with their lamps so that they could manage them properly. Look, as stewards of the light, we too must have the good sense, spiritual maturity, and constitution to do all that is necessary to tend to our light. The unwise woman in that parable, you can, you can go back and read it, and I, I uh, strongly suggest that you do, they must have assumed that their lamps would just go on burning, or perhaps some of them were counting on the good stewardship of others to cover their laziness. For example, one of the things I love about Casper is our friendly index is just through the roof. If you're pulled over for any reason, somebody is going to pull over and help you. That next car is going to pull over and say, hey, man, what's what's going on? And so I'm one of those guys. I like to, I like to participate in that. So I, I pull over. I'm always amazed to see how many people don't have jumper cables in their car. Like this seems like a really normal item that you would want in your car. Your car does not run well when the battery is dead and uh, it never fails. They're just kind of counting. They're like the women in this story, the, the unwise women in the story who just assumed that somebody else was going to have them covered. Somebody else was going to going to be around the corner and and ready to to provide for them. In any case, we should not expect that our light will continue to burn brightly without some purposeful attention. We have got to give our light the attention that it needs in order to maintain it and grow it and keep burning brightly. Reading the word, considering who you're spending time with, and unplugging regularly are great ways to create boundaries and keep your light burning. And that practice is 100% reliant on the ability and the necessity to judge and to judge righteously. The message was called Look to Yourselves. It was part two in a series called What is Judgment? And I hope you enjoy it. The link is found below. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Towers, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? No.